Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today I want to talk about being better together. Would you say that with me? Say better together. I want to talk about relationships this morning, and uh, we're going to devote this Sunday to talking about our life groups and what life groups are, why it's important to be a part of a life group. A life group here at Passion Life Church is what we call a small group. You know, our church has been growing, and it's amazing. We're excited. And one of the things that we know at Passion Life Church, we have to grow bigger and smaller at the same time. We have to grow bigger, right, and reach more people, but at the same time, there needs to be a small group feel. We all need to be a part of a small group. But why is relationships so important? Why is it so important that you develop relationships within a small group? And today what I want to do is I want to give you five, four truths that I know about relationships that I think will, will help you, help us, and it'll actually help you understand God a little bit better. And here's the first one. God prioritizes relationships. God prioritizes relationships. Do you know I was looking through Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and it's when God created. You read that story, and you read how he created so many things, so many beautiful things, right? And yet, he created man. He created man, he created us in his own image and likeness. Now, this always touches my heart, and I'm going to tell you why. God did not need to create you. God wanted to create you. God, there wasn't a need in him. He, he's not needy and like, I need a person. He wanted that. that it just really, like God wants me to be in relationship with him. So all this, this just gets me. All the earth, all the animals, all the nature he created. Why? To put man on earth. And he tells man, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And he gives his very image and his very likeness to us. And so he creates man. He creates the first man. His name is Adam. And so Adam cre was created to have a relationship with God. And I hope you hear me this morning, my church family. We were created to have a relationship with God. If you don't understand that and realize that, your life will never make sense. And I say that because if I were to ask people today, if I were to go to downtown Temecula and Old Town and ask people, what is really a relationship with God? Some people would say that God created us to have a religion with God. It's actually we were created to have a relationship with him. So understanding that we need that. Now listen, a relationship doesn't mean that I just prayed a prayer, invited Jesus in my heart. A relationship is twofold. It's an ongoing every day. God, thank you for life today. Thank you for my job. It may not be the job that I want, but it's talking back and forth. That's really even praying, praying just every day. Paul talked about, I pray always. And he's talking about that with an attitude of prayer. He's always in an attitude of prayer, talking to God. You know how, how many of us would be honest today? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us would say that during the day we talk to ourselves? I wonder how much we talk to ourselves. It's the same as talking to God. Now what I do is I talk a little bit to myself, yeah, but you know, I find myself talking to God more. All, and I don't have to be on my knees. It's all about relationship. Sometimes I'll drive someplace and, and just up to a park and I'll just sit there because it's about my relationship with God. And I look at nature and say, God, you're so amazing. But we have to have an ongoing relationship with God. How's your relationship with Jesus today? 
I didn't say, how's your relationship with people? How's your relationship with the church? How's your personal relationship with Jesus? Because you know what? You can have as much of God as you want. You can have as much Jesus as you want. Now listen, God created Adam for a relationship with him. We were created for a relationship with God. But you know what? After he created Adam, God wasn't done with creation. Because God said some words that I think we need to hear today in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord told Adam, and he's telling us today, this is what he said. He said, the Lord God said, Adam, listen, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you, for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for you. Now, I, I thought, well, okay, this is pretty interesting because here I am, I'm made for God. So God could have just said, okay, Adam, it's just going to be me and you. That's it. I'm going to be everything that you need, everything that, everything you ever need, I will be. But here's what's interesting. God made Adam like God, but God knew that Adam would need somebody like him. And so I think this is interesting because I've been around the church and I've heard people say, well, Pastor Phil, it's just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. And I stay away from those people now because that's what they want. Me and Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not just you and Jesus. It's you, Jesus, and other people. God created you not only for a relationship with him, but he created you with, for a relationship with other people. He created you for a relationship with other people. Can you imagine? Adam is the first human created. He's the first human on earth. How many of you know that's why he could walk around naked? I mean, he wasn't really naked, but he had glory, God's glory. But he's the only human, nobody to talk to except God. He had no friends. He had no family. I mean, he didn't have anybody but God. And so God said, you know what, Adam? I want to give you somebody like you that you can share moments with. And you know what I find interesting is that God creates Eve out of Adam. Not out of the dirt. God created man out of dirt. That's why God's like to play in the dirt. God created. But you know what he did? He created woman by taking the rib of man out of Adam. You know why? So the goal would be in marriage, a man and a woman would become one, would become one. What, and that's parallel to our relationship with God. God wants to be in you and you in him. And so he created Eve. Listen to this. And I believe he gave Eve to Adam so it would be an example to us what could happen if we would stand together. Because Adam, God creates Eve, and guess what happens? After Eve's created, guess who comes to both of them? Does anybody know the story? The snakes. He was sneaky. But you know what I found? God didn't make Adam to stand against the enemy alone. He gave Adam Eve so they could both stand together. And when the snake came, they could talk to each other and they could stand together against the enemy. You need relationships, people in your life to help you stand against the enemy. And you know what's interesting is that Adam and Eve blew it. I mean, just a simple communication aspect of their relationship, they couldn't get it. But I found how interesting is it, is it that God wants to bring relationships into your life because the enemy will come against you. And you know what's great? If we can stand together against the enemy, I think 
we can win. You know why? The Bible says that two can do more than one. Two can do more than one. So God prioritizes relationships. How do I know that? Because he created you for him. How much do you prioritize relationships? How much, how much do we? Because in our society, we're real different. Most people have a great relationship with their phone. Right? I got friends. I got 1,700 Facebook friends. Those are not real friends. Right? How many of those people do you know? But this is the world that we live in. But I'm just saying this because sometimes we discount relationships, and yet God doesn't. He prioritizes it. Number two, here's the second truth I found about relationships. Life change happens in the context of relationships. Now, I'm going to take a risk here this morning as a pastor and tell you something that's true, but yet at the same time it affects me. But that's okay. It's still true. I hope that when you come to church that you hear a message from the Lord that will help you on Monday. That's kind of how I think when I plan my messages. If it's not going to help you on Monday, I'm not sharing it on Sunday. If you can't take what we have here, because I've been to those churches where people walk out and like, how was it? Oh, it was great. I loved it. Well, what do you talk about? I don't know, but it was good. See, that to me is just like, that's why I put points on the, because I want you to be able to have something tangible. And so I hope that Sunday would inspire you. I hope the message, I hope you listen to the podcast. I, I really do. I mean, I, I hope that. But I'm just going to be honest with you. If you were really to analyze your life, where does most of your life change happen? It happens in your relationships. It happens when you're down and out and somebody sends you a text. It happens when you're down and out and somebody calls you and just says, hey, I was thinking about you. And it moves your life. And the Bible talks about in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, that life change happens in the context of relationship. And it says this, when you walk with wise people, you actually become wise. And it says, uh, um, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So the Bible talks about that the people that we hang with, right, have the capacity to change our life, right? You can be ignorant in an area and hang out with somebody who's wise and you can become wise. This, this uh, scripture is telling me in the Phil Valdez translation that stupid is contagious. That's what I get from that. But so is wisdom. If you can hang out with people that are further down the road that where do you want to go, you'll get better. You'll get better. So who are your closest friends? Now, when I talk about this, I've grown up in a culture of Christianity. My parents said, you cannot have any friends that are sinners. Don't hang around sinners because sin is contagious. And it's like cooties and you're going to come home and you're going to have some on you. So we don't. So we were the right frozen chosen. We walked around. You're a sinner. Oh, get away. Like the sin is more powerful than the Savior. That's the mentality we grew up with. So the question becomes, then why did Jesus hang out with so many sinners? And then number two, the question is, if we can't hang out with sinners, how are we supposed to minister to them? So I look at Jesus's friendships. He had three groups of friends. He had number one, he had acquaintances. Those were the crowd, the people he talked to once, the woman with the issue of blood, the sinners, Zacchaeus. He went to Zacchaeus's house. Zacchaeus was a, a tax collector that, man, he, he stole from people. Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today, Zacchaeus. We're gonna hang out. That is um, uh, acquaintances. All of us have that first level of friends. And in your acquaintances, we need to love on them. Those are the people you have at work. 
that you don't really hang out with outside of work, but you see him at work. Can I just tell you, those people matter. Those are the people we need to share Christ with you with. But let me just say this. Those people don't really change our lives. It's the second level of friendships that Jesus has that really changes our life. And that was his disciples. So he had... He had um, he had the crowd, but then he had close friends. That's level two. It's the people that you surround yourself with. It's the people that you hang out with outside of work. That I mean, they start to, that's this scripture. You start to become wise. Or if, you know what, if they're foolish, you start to become foolish. It's the people that are closest to you. You know, they did a scientific study, and they said that you can actually live longer if you have the right type of friends, because friends are actually like a uh, insulation to your life. That's how close close friendships are supposed to be. That's how they're made to be. So who are your closest friends? And then there's the third level of friendships that Jesus have. And I'm just looking at him. He had what I call covenant friends. And those were the mighty three, Peter, James, and John. When you read in the Bible, there were a couple of times where guess who went with him? Peter, James, and John. Why? Because that was another level. I call it the transparent level. It's the level of that friend that you have that's like your sister or that friend you have, guys, that's like your brother. And it's like they may not even be family, but you are so close-knit together that you are like brothers. Anybody have those type of friends? I mean, I have those types of friends. And sometimes those friends are even more close than your family. And you're like, God, I wish they were my family. That would have been amazing. But you know what? It all comes back to relationships. And the relationships you have can define your life. Our relationships are like elevators. They take you up or they can take you down. So here you are out during the week. You're working, right? You're around all these people who maybe think different. That's why it's important that you're going to in during the week or sometime when there's a life group, put yourself in an atmosphere where there are people who are like you. People who are wanting to go in the same direction. People who are wise that can say, hey, you know, I know you've had a bad week, but come on, let us encourage you. Let us strengthen you. But you know what? In our culture today, I think they don't really value relationships. Yet, in the scripture, the scriptures require relationships. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another. God's telling me, look, I've loved you so much, Phil. I want you to consider and think about, spend your time, how you're going to love some other people. Remember when we, when we did the Heroes uh, series and we talked about Rebecca. If you, listen, if you didn't hear the Rebecca uh, sermon, you need to go back and hear about Rebecca in the Heroes series. It was fabulous. Like it like really changed people's lives. I had people, uh, even in our serving team, were like, if Rebecca can water 10 camels, I can carry this amp from my car to the stage. I was like, wow, whoa, you go. Right? But Rebecca went out thinking about how she could help somebody. And I said during that message, imagine a church, that's the church that I see, that if you came today, not just for yourself, and what does the preacher have to say to me today, and I need a word from the Lord, woo! Right, that's all good. But can you imagine if every one of us got up this morning and said, I'm gonna go to church, and with this scripture in Hebrews 10, that today, here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna consider how I can encourage three people today at church. Not, you don't have to prophesy. All you have to say is, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to compliment three people when I get to church today. Can I just tell you that all of these seats would be full because all of us want that type of atmosphere, but yet nobody wants to give it. Everybody wants to come and take, 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 take. 
But can you imagine if just the people in this room next week we said we're coming and I want to give an encouragement to someone else. I want to give an encouragement. I want to love people. I want to see how many people at the end of the service I can hug and just say, hey, you look good today. I'm just so glad you came. Can you imagine if every one of us did that to each other? This would be such a church of love. And yet Hebrews tells us, I'm supposed to think that way. I'm supposed to consider how I can bless you. But listen to what it says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Listen to verse 25. Not neglecting meeting together as it is the habit for some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews is telling us, the author is telling us, don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself. Don't give up meeting together. Listen, my church family, can I just tell you again, it's not just about the preaching at church. It's about the community that happens at church. You need community. You need to get around some people who love you. You may come in today, and man, you may be hurting. And man, that hug that somebody gives you, it means something. There are days that I walk out of life group or I even walk out of church, and I'm just telling you one compliment, I can ride on that for a week. I'm just, I'm just telling you. When somebody, t- somebody told me something the other day, uh, it was so meaningful, I forgot. It, but it was meaningful. And so, but they said something to me. Um, uh, it was at a life group. And they just said, you know, uh, my friend came to church and they loved life group. They came to life and they loved life group. And it just meant so much to them. And I was there at that life group and she was crying. And man, God had done so great things. And I just walked out of going, man, somebody's life was changed this week. Man, for me, that made everything that I do matter. See, and that's why I'm just telling you, it can't just be all about you. What do I get about out of it? Sometimes it's giving into it, and then you get something out of it. And so that, man, that just energized me. But you know what? It's very, and again, our society is isolated. I want my privacy. Don't bother me. But there's a problem with that because now you're alone. And when you go through things, who are you going to call? Who, 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 are you, who are you tight with? Who knows about what you're going through? See, I have people in my life, we're friends, and they call me, and in our conversation, they'll directly say, come on, tell me the real deal. Come on, don't, just, just be honest. Oh, man, do you know when I've shared, honestly, God has moved through relationships with people. But the tendency is, is to just isolate ourselves. But honestly, life change happens in the context of relationships. Are you learning something this morning? Here's the third truth about relationship. God uses relationships to supply our needs. Why would we talk about life groups today? Well, in the early church, they had life groups. In the book of Acts, listen, I want to show you Acts chapter 2, verse 42. God was doing so many things. People were coming to Christ. And look at the early church model. In the early church, they were intentional about their relationships. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Listen to this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they devoted themselves to coming on Sunday because that was important. They loved the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Listen. They devoted themselves to fellowship. That means it was intentional. They invested. Not just, oh, I got to hear a word, brother. No, that's good. But what are you going to do with the word you got? Are you going to share that word? Or are you just going to keep it all to yourself? Oh, this is so good. No, we need some storytellers in here that take the word that they got and share it with somebody. That's how I became saved. Somebody shared a story with me. 
and it changed my life. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread together and to prayer. What did they do? Apostles' teaching and what? Fellowship. You know, I've been in, in certain circles. They think fellowship is just a, 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 it's just like a game. Like, well, we'll just have some fellowship. But yet in the early church, it was intentional because you need it. Because we were created for relationships. They made an investment, not only just to hear God's word, but to fellowship and prayer. Somebody told me this, and I think it's a great way to describe relationships. They said, Phil, relationships are like a bank. You have to make an investment. And you have to make deposits with people. Because if your relationships are just about withdrawals, you're going to be overdrawn on your relationships. So you know what? In relationships, you're going to have to make deposits. You're going to have to text sometimes. Sometimes it's going to have to be you. And guess what? Sometimes they don't text back. Have you ever experienced that? But you know what? You're going to have to make an investment. But you know, if you keep making deposits, eventually when you make withdrawals, the relationships are healthy. But I've been in relationships where people just want to make withdrawals. Have you ever had those? And listen, I'm willing to help you. And listen, that's really another level of, of what I call friendship, if you would. There are people that I invest in. They don't do anything for me. It's not like I'm like, yay, I'm just investing in them. It's a part of a mentorship. I get it. But I'm just telling you, when you want a friendship with somebody, you're going to have to be intentional and make some deposits. The book of Proverbs says that even if I'm to be your friend, I have to be friendly to you. I have to make an investment. And it's hard. I know it's hard. Pastor Phil, I hate rejection. Well, so do I. But you know, you can't have friends unless you're willing to take a risk. You're going to have to be intentional about those relationships. And so look down in verse 43, Acts chapter 2, verse 43, and it says, because this was the result, right? They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and look at the result, verse 43. Everybody was filled with awe and at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Listen to this, verse 44. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. You need to be around people that have something in common with you. You need to be around people sometimes in your week that believe in Jesus, not around all the demons that you hang out with at work. Come on, somebody. Right? Because they start to wear you down. They start, you start to, you're fighting and I don't believe in Jesus. And wah, 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 wah. You need to take a moment during the week. I call it the midweek reheat and get reheated. Get around some people who believe like you, that encourage you. Then you get up the next day and you go back to work and you face those people. Everybody was filled with awe and wonders and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Listen, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. Listen to this, verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. So here's what was happening in the early church's life groups. And we've seen it happen in this church. They started getting together, hanging out, eating gluten-free bread, right? Because that's what we eat, right? Gluten is going to be in hell. But gluten-free bread is going to be in heaven. Because Jesus said, I am the gluten-free bread of life. Amen. Right? So they got together. They ate. You mean, Pastor Phil, eating together at Life Group, that's not just, no, it's purposeful in the Bible. And here's what they did. Not only did they share the Bible, but they also shared their needs. And you know what happened? 
In these life groups, people said, you need that? They would go home, put something on Craigslist, sell it, take that money, and give it to somebody in their life group to help them with their need. You know what was fabulous? We saw like tons of miracles when we opened up the church and we started life groups. There was a life group happening, our first life group. There was a couple who was doing the life group and they were just talking about their needs and they said, we need, we need a, a, my husband needs a truck for work and my wife needs a car. I mean, we, the car's not even working. Well, guess what? There was somebody in that life group who had the ability to get two cars for this family. And you know what he did? He got the guy a truck and he got the woman a new car. There was a guy who was playing uh, guitar with us and uh, he went to a life group, was talking to a friend of ours named Ken who uh, has since moved, uh, uh, I think to Texas or, or somewhere. And he was saying, hey, I need a car. And Ken goes, you know what? I have a car. It's been sitting, it's a Camaro. It's been sitting in my garage. It just needs a starter. And the guy came to me, he says, he's got, I don't have a job, but he's got a car and we just need a starter. Well, if he's got a car, you need the car. I can buy you a starter. And guess what? We bought him a starter and the church helped him get a car. Why? Because of community of people and relationships coming together to help meet each other's needs. That is the body of Christ. That's us coming together saying, hey, you know what? I I have a relationship with you. What do you need? You know what's funny is that you don't even know that the person next to you might have what you need. You know, I can't tell you how many times here, Passion Life Church, somebody comes and I need a job. Okay, they tell me I need it. They, hey, you need a job? Okay, and then I'll have a business owner call me. Hey, you need anybody? I have a couple jobs. You better believe. And so guess what? It's all through community and relationships. And I'm just telling you that God uses people and relationships to meet our needs. Come on, would you give him a great round of applause this morning? Now, let me just say this. I know I'm giving you a bunch of infomercials for next week. But that's why you got to share your story. Because in your story and what you have, you may not think it's a lot. But you know what? Somebody may need what you have. And a need is met. And see, here's what we can do. We can get so spiritual sometimes. I believe in prayer. I love prayer. But we can be, oh, God, just show me. Oh, Lord, just show me. And yet, we don't even share our need with the person next to us. And they may just say, hey, I can help you with that. And my church family, God uses people. He uses people. And you know what? Your story, what you have, you know what? You may have, uh, you may have a lead for a job opportunity that somebody needs. And all it is is just relationship. And I'm just telling you that let's not undervalue the, the aspects of our relationship. God uses people. And here's the last one, number four. Relationships are the best way to reach people with the gospel. It's the best way. Again, how do I know this? Just going back to the first church, when the first church was coming together. See, all of you in this room are influential people. I, th I can just say it. All of you in this room have at least one or two people that you have an influence in their life. And all as I'm telling you is they may come to a service like this, because of your influence. They may come, and this is what I love about life groups, is that some people will come to a life group first because it's smaller, it's more intimate. And they'll come to a life group, why? Not because so much of some flyer, we can do Facebook ads, I can put out direct mailers, but all of you in this room are here because somebody said something. And they had credibility. And they had some credibility, so you know what, you followed them. 
And I'm just saying that you have credibility in people's lives and you need to share that. It's the best way to reach people. And I think evangelism is the best via relationships. Look at what happened. Acts chapter 2 again, verse 46. Every day they continue to meet together. Now, listen, I'm not advocating and I'm not saying today you got to meet together with everybody every day. But here's what happens. They so enjoyed each other, they wanted to just meet with each other every day. And we see that now with life groups. We started life groups. People have become best friends in this room through life group. And, we're, and when we shut down life groups, because we run them in semesters to give everybody kind of a break. But you know what? What happened was is that when we shut them down, people were going out to eat with each other. Couples were getting together, talking with each other, sharing community. And I said, you know what? That's a win for us because that's what life group is all about. Well, Pastor Phil, I went to a life group and I didn't see anybody like me. Well, you know what? Keep going. Because somebody like you is going to come and they're going to look for you. And if you're not there, then it, it starts the whole pattern over again. So you know what? Be invested. It says every day they continue to meet together in the temple and the courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God, listen, and enjoying the favor of all the people. I love this verse. Listen to this last verse. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. So how did they get saved? Through relationships, through people coming together. God, how did God add to the church? Yeah, they were praying, right? But they were coming together and people were sharing their story. And it resulted in the church being grown. The church reaching out to people and the numbers grew daily. I believe one of the reasons why people aren't hearing the word of God is because we're not telling our story through the relationships that we have. Simple, little, hey man, why don't you come to life group with me? Hey, why don't you, uh, Val, this, this last week invited a couple of her coworkers that just came. Hey, we're having food. Come on, you, we're gonna get some time in, in the Bible. Oh, really? Come. One of the guys connected with, with Bob, our usher, went back to work. Some minute. that guy, that life group was so amazing. I, I want to connect with him. I want to get to know him better. All it was was a simple invitation. And I'm just telling you that the best way to reach people is through the relationships that you have. Listen, don't take them for granted. You matter. You're influential. Let me just end with this today. And then what we're going to do um, is... is uh, is we're gonna have some of our life group leaders come up and they're gonna share with you the topic of what they're gonna be talking about. But small groups provide three things for you, all right? This is why we do it. It provides, number one, a place for you to connect. We're gonna put, and people are opening up their houses, why? So you can come eat some food, and you can be there. We can hear about you. You can hear about us. If you need prayer, it's a place to connect. It's an atmosphere to meet people. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, the apostle Paul writes, he says, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Paul says, my goal with people is to connect with you. Somehow find some common ground because the goal is so we can share Christ. Not argue with you about politics, whether Trump is going to be president or Hillary Clinton or some three other guys who are running who we don't even know, right? Uh, it's about common ground. It's about, well, I don't believe Jesus. Hey, I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. Paul's like, I want to make an intentional connection with people. I think you should make that connection too. Paul says, it's intentional about my life. Life group is a place to connect. Number two, it's a place to protect you. 
What do I mean by that? Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12 says this, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I'm telling you that as we come together, there's gonna be people in this church that are gonna have your back. You know, one of the greatest testimonies of Life Group is when Vanessa had her, her child. You're going to hear their story. Um, and they had their child, and they didn't have family here. They have no family. And the people in the Life Group, and the baby was coming. They didn't come when it, they think it was coming, but it, it, it came before it was supposed to come. How many of you know when those babies want to come out, they come out. And when they want to stay in, they stay in. Those little boogers. And so this baby's coming out, and she wasn't ready. And guess what? Here comes the Life Group. The life group went to her house, cleaned her house. Somebody set up the crib for her. So when the baby came, the house was ready. Because some people were intentional about relationships. It's a place to protect. And you know what? Life groups are a place for you to be supported and protected. And look at me just real quick. No matter what you're going through. Listen, there ain't no shame in this game here. All of us have mistakes. All of us have failures. But you know what? We need people to help pick us up. Sometimes life is going to be great, and sometimes it's not. And you know what? When your life is great, good. Help lift other people up. But you know what? When your life is not so great, let other people pick you up. Come on, somebody. Let other people. And here's what I love about this place to protect. And I'm just going to show you this video, and then, then we'll be done with one more point. Everybody's all about the Olympics. The Olympics have been uh, and, and just great. And somebody posted on Facebook this video that just so inspired me. When I saw it, I thought about life groups. It's a story of Derek Redman. I don't know how many of you know this, but back, I think, in 1992, he was running the 400-yard uh, dash. He's got a couple of, of, uh, of gold medals. But this particular time, he was running, and something happened. So I just want you to check this out, and then we'll close. Derek Redmond, and the best form he's shown since he broke the British record. He was in great shape, you know, he, he was, had a chance, possibility of maybe getting a medal there. The Cuban Hernandez has got uh, Redmond to aim at, and so too in lane number three is Steve Lewis, but Redmond's got off very fast indeed, and so too is Ismail of Qatar. Down the back straight, he's the fractional leader. Father of Nigeria has gone very quickly, and Redmond has broken down. He's on the track, kneeling down, and Derek Redmond, on his injury problem, the jinx has struck again. Running down the back strike, I heard a funny clap or a pop, and I honestly, for a split second, thought I'd been shot. Uh, and then, obviously, I realised I've, I've pulled a hamstring. And then when the pain sort of died down, I remembered where I was and what I was doing, and I remember thinking, quick, you're in the Olympic semi-finals, you prat, get up and start running. And I got to the 200 meter mark after hobbling 50 meters, and looked across and all the guys had finished, and it pretty much hit me that, you know, it ain't gonna happen, it's all over. I would have laid there, you know, to be honest, there's no way I would have got up, because hamstring, when you got a hamstring, you know you got a hamstring. He just wants to finish. His dad's trying to run under the track to stop him. He's going to tell him, Derek, don't. The old man went to put his arms around me, and I was just about to try and push him off because I thought it was something else. I didn't see him. He sort of jogged from behind. And uh, he said, look, you don't need to do this. You can stop now. You haven't got nothing to prove. And I said, oh, I have. You know, get me back into lane five. I want to finish. 
now in the greatest arena in sport. He's getting the cheer of the games. I would never have wanted to be in Derek Shue at that time. You know, it was a sad moment. It was a, you know, a great moment, you know, in the sport, to be honest. It's a figure, a picture that just stays in your mind forever because you don't want to see any athlete having to go through that. You just knew how destroyed he was and just how much that race meant to him. We're better together. I saw this, and I don't know when you saw that, who you identified with. I honestly didn't identify with the Olympic runner. I wish I would have, but I identified with the guy that got on the, the track. And I thought that's life group because in the height of your life, you never know life has its ups and downs. And who is it that you've allowed around you to come beside you and help you to the finish line? Who is it? And I love the fact that he wanted to finish, right? But it's just indicative of a person who's in incredible health and doing great and life struck hamstrings out unpredictable. And yet I would hope that at passion life church, if any unfortunate situations were to happen to you, that there would be people that would get on the track with you and to make sure that you go to the finish. Amen. I want to be that person. I want to be that person for you. But you know, I can't do it with everybody. Our church is growing now. Now we have life group leaders that are going to come around. There's also going to be people who you are going to befriend, who are going to be there for you in your time. Life group is a place to connect. A life group is a place to protect. And here's the last one for today. Life group is a place that you can grow. You know, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. You know, one of the best things I talked about connecting, but today I want to say also, one of the best things we can do is also hang out with people who are a little different than us because they challenge us. You know, you may be struggling in an area of your life and there may be somebody at Life Group who's a little bit different and has a strength in that area. And you know what? The Bible says that iron's gonna sharpen iron. Can I just tell you when iron sharpens iron, there's sparks. And here's what I see in so many relationships. As soon as there's sparks in a relationship, people run, they quit. And you know what they do? They forfeit their growth. Because the Bible tells me that the, in adversity, friendships are made. You want to know how good of friends we are? Wait till we fight. Because after we fight, are we still friends? Then we're good friends. If we don't, then you know what? It, this was all just a game. And this is what happens in friendships. As soon as there's some sparks, people, I've watched people, well, I'm just not. Okay, then you weren't really my friend. But you know what? I want to be a friend till the end. Even when there's sparks flying, even if we don't agree, that's all right. We can agree to disagree. Let's have a friendship on the things that we agree. But there may be things that we don't agree with because I don't have the knowledge that you have to get there. So help me get there. Don't just walk out on me. Don't just, you know, hey, don't just leave me alone. Help me get there. There's a connection for us to grow. Can I ask you, who's in your circle of friends? Who's going to sharpen you? Who's going to carry you? Well, Pastor Phil, it's my wife. Well, the good. I'm glad it's your wife. But you know what? You as a couple, you need friendships. You need relationships. Can you say a good amen today? Amen. Let's give God a great round of applause for his word. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 